Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. This is Irit Ezips for CSM Practice, the strategy firm for all things customer success. And this channel is dedicated to bring in your experts of customer success. And today, I want to double down on partner success and how Cisco was able to digitize it to do that in a scalable manner. It not only nearly doubled their renewal rates that year, but also doubled the number of partners that signed up for their partner success program. And so I have Andrew Carothers, who's a global leader in digital experience for Cisco. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, you've actually managed this program. It's such an innovative program. I'm really excited to share it with all of our podcast and YouTube channel listeners as you break down what it is that you've done to create such an impact on your organization. Well, it's been a journey to pull it together. It's taken us a number of years, but it's proven to be a real accelerator for our growth from a customer success standpoint and a renewal standpoint. So we're really pleased with where it's going and and our partners are really pleased too. That's amazing. All right, guys, stay tuned. We'll be right back and we'll explore what was the background of setting up a scalable program for partner success. What is it exactly looks like? What systems were used and how does the tech stack look like? How was the approach that Andrew and his team took in order to make this a success, including all the change management parts we all know is so difficult to do, especially in a large organization Stay tuned. We'll be right back with all the answers. Welcome back. Like I said, I have Andrew Carothers from Cisco, who's been working on this initiative for three years now. Andrew, tell me, what brought about needing to double down on scalability for managing partners? Well, Cisco is a partner-driven company. 90-plus percent of our sales go through partners. So anything that we want to do with customers has to be done with and through partners. The challenge was, well, how do we run customer success with our partners? We spent a number of years talking about the need for customer success with partners, and partners got on the bandwagon, but then said, so how do we do this and how do we do this together so that when Cisco, when you're working with our customers, our joint customers, and we're working with our joint customers, how does the right hand know what the left hand's doing? That's the the nut of the problem that we were trying to solve for. Did you get any pressure from customers that worked with partners to improve the experience and to scale it out? There's pressure coming from all over the place. So customers said, look, right hand, left hand, you don't know what you're doing. And our customers tend to view when they're working with a partner and they're working on a Cisco-based solution, to them, typically, them is just Cisco. So they, they don't necessarily differentiate from the experience standpoint between their partner and Cisco. So to them, they're looking at this and saying, I'm not having a good experience here. I need help moving forward. Our partners were pressuring us because they were they were seeing the same thing. And on top of that, they're saying, I'm on board with the need for customer success, but I don't have the resources to fund a large customer success organization. I've got CSMs working with my largest customers, but how do we jointly scale this to my entire customer base? Because my entire customer base needs support from a customer success standpoint. And then 
our own Cisco people, our own customer success organization was saying the same, pretty much the same thing as partners and customers. How do we scale this to the millions of customers globally? Because we're never going to hire enough CSMs to have a high touch approach or even a medium touch approach for that level of scale and that level and through that level of partners as well. We have 10,000 partners at Cisco. So we were getting asked from all the relevant parts of the business to come up with a solution. And what we did was figure out how to scale customer success with and through our partners in a way that's aligned with our own CS organization within Cisco so that our CSMs know what the partner CSMs are doing. Everyone's got the same data about the customers, the, the purchase data, the renewal data, the telemetry data, recommended, you know, stuck in stage, all of that information. And then our customers are also getting notifications that are aligned to what our Cisco and our partner CS organizations are getting. So we figured out a way to align everybody and took us a while to implement it, but the results have been fantastic. So if I'm not mistaken, fiscal year 2021 was the year of scale. Before we dig in into exactly what was done, what were the results of this innovative program? Well, the results were surprising even to us at how quickly we got there. So we saw our renewal increase 20% in terms of the renewal rate. We saw our customer success movement through our life cycle. We saw customers progress 250% faster through their adoption life cycle. And so from both sort of the, the dollars of renewals, as well as the loyalty factor of customer adoption, we saw significant improvement. Well, you talked about accelerating the adoption of customers to your solutions. Fiscal year 2021 was a year of scale. Tell me a little bit about what did you do in terms of the digital journey touch points that helped accelerate that adoption? Yep. So we did a couple of things. By the time we got to fiscal year 2021, we had built out this program and we knew it was rock solid. We knew it was working with about I don't know, three, 500 partners and their customers engaged in it as well. So we knew we were ready to now really go out and scale. So we did a couple of things. First off, we made sure that we were plugged into the partner scaling engine within Cisco. So there's a whole partner organization, partner account managers, and they're also on the sales side, but also then on the customer success side. So we made sure we were plugged into them and they understood the value of what we were providing to their partners so that they could be our advocates working with partners. We worked with partner marketing as well. So we built all this into the, the broader Cisco engine instead of trying to recreate all of that advocacy element ourselves. We also built in our own advocates in each of the different regions around the world, right? Americas, Europe, Asia, to work directly with our larger partners and our distributors to give them kind of a high-touch concierge experience so that they understood what we were doing and hop on board. Some of those were involved in our earlier and remaining partner advisory board, but others weren't. So we wanted to make sure that we were getting a high-touch approach, working with our own Cisco people to bring us into those partner organizations to have those conversations. We got to a point where the scaling, I don't want to say took care of itself, but the ball started to roll downhill. When other partners started to see what their peers and in some cases competitors were doing as Cisco partners, 
they wanted to participate in that. And we don't charge for this program at all. So the barrier to entry to join this program is very low. Just to clarify to the viewers, when you speak about increasing adoption, it's not necessarily the adoption of Cisco products or solutions. It's the adoption to that partner success program, the commerce automation, that portal, so that you can scale managing partners and improve renewals across more customers that are coming indirectly into Cisco. You said 90% of your customers are like that. And so that was the big win, essentially. That's the big win. We now have 7,500 partners that are part of this program. So 7,500 partners that we are monthly uploading data to, getting to review that data, and then are reaching out with us in a co-branded way to thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of customers every month with adoption-related messaging, with renewal-related information that's driving upsell, et cetera. So this customer reach at scale across their entire customer base, we're now seeing. It's that adoption that I'm talking about. That then leads to customers adopting faster, renewing more, et cetera. Right. Because if you don't have these many partners or an increasing number of partners enroll in this program, essentially to some degree, you're kind of like in the dark around what's happening with these customers. Yes. I think here's the way I look at it. If you're a small company and you've got a small CSM organization or customer success organization, and let's say you've got 50 or 100 customers, depending on how many CSMs you have, maybe you can cover those 50 or 100 customers. But if you want to take your company to the next level of growth, if you want to get to 1,000 customers, you're never going to scale by hiring CSMs to cover all of those 1,000 customers. So your options are you scale digitally, you scale through your partners, some combination of the two of that, or you don't scale at all. And then you're leaving a lot of money and a lot of customer satisfaction on the table. Tell me a little bit about what you've done. When did you start this? And what were the first steps towards creating this innovative program? We started the program, the origins of the program, sort of the proto program started about 10 years ago. And it was very much renewals focused. And it came from the standpoint of the number one reason why our customers, according to our customers, year after year, did not renew a service contract was because they didn't even know they had a renewal. So that then generated the question of, well, how do we at scale let our customers know? And how do we do that with partners? And we're in the digital experience team. So like digital is what we do. So we sort of figured out a sort of bail and tape and literally sending spreadsheets back and forth with partners approach and then worked to automate all of that. So then fast forward to three years ago, when we'd figured out a way to effectively automate the renewals portion of the business. But then how do we then bring in the customer success side of the house, given that now our partner's customer success practices had matured and our Cisco customer success practice had matured and customers' expectations had matured to the point where now this became a pressing need. So that was the initial reason why we started focusing in on scaling customer success through partners and trying to take that approach. And what we did was start with the renewal platform and program that we built, and then looked at use that as our launching pad to bring in the customer success side of it. And just to clarify, that's literally a portal that's available to partners. I think it's like the renew.cisco.com or something along those lines. Right. So at its core, it is a portal that we co-developed with partners. We have programmatic elements working with partners wrapped around it, but at its core... 
It is a portal, and this is a key element because our partners said we want a couple of things for this to be successful, for us to opt in to do this. We want access to data, whether it's renewal data, telemetry data, whatever it might be. We want access to the same data that you have. We also want an element of control. We have conversations going on with our joint customers that maybe you're not involved in. There are times when we don't want a communication, a notification going out to a customer. Maybe we're already in conversations with that customer. It'll confuse them if they get a, a notification, even though it's co-branded, Cisco and the partner it might confuse them. So we want the ability to opt out customers either globally, never contact these customers, or in any given month. So we feed data into this portal, which is called Lifecycle Advantage. We feed data into this portal every month and give customers a review cycle where they come in and review and sometimes opt customers out. They also have the opportunity to augment the data that we have. And this is a key element too. They can come in and augment the, the contacts that we're going to reach out to that we're going to in our notification. Because part of being a partner-based business is that our partners are much closer to our customers than we are. So when we started this program, for example, we only had contact information for 30% of the customers that we wanted to contact. Our partners had that information. So partners have the opportunity and they take advantage of it to provide us with six or so different contacts for at a particular customer to reach out to. So we know we're reaching out to the right contact for the right solution, whether it's collaboration like WebEx or it's security, whatever it is that we're communicating with partners about, we have the right contact because our partners have provided that to us. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big element too. So that that's the core of it, that platform that we've built. Three years ago, you did not have that portal. That was the core of the innovation around your strategic project for scaling partner success. Were there other elements related to this program? Yep. So that's the core part of it, but that in and of itself isn't enough. So there, the other elements are sort of several fold. One is sort of the, the people element. We've got folks who wrap services, and I use that term in a generic sense, working with our partners to make sure that our partners understand what we're providing, answer their questions, which at the beginning were a lot around concerns about sharing customer data with Cisco, concerns about maybe channel conflict that they wanted to protect hedge against. So make sure that they understood how we use the data, how we firewall it off from the rest of Cisco. And at the same time, how we bring the other relevant data about customers into this portal. So having the platform of the portal in and of itself was not enough. We had to make sure that the partners understand how to use it, how they're protected, right? Just what the benefit is to them. We co-developed it with a group of partners to make sure that we were addressing their concerns when it was built. So no surprise, we built it in a way that partners tend to like it and, and, it, and it meets their needs. We also had to make sure that we could connect to this portal with other Cisco systems, customer contact information that we do have, customer purchase and other activity history that we have Cisco is a siloed company, so we had to pull that together from all the different business units. All of this type of information we had to pull together, along with telemetry data, so that partners can see that type of information. We then had to build around that to augment that data, sort of analytics around that data, so that partners know and get notified by us in the portal 
when a customer needs attention, when a customer's stuck in stage, for example, and provide recommended actions to the partner CSMs through the portal so that they know what actions to take when the customer is stuck in stage. Refer them to this webinar or this live Ask the Expert session or this guided resource page that walks customers through what they need to move from one adoption stage to another. So all of that element had to be brought in to make this really a useful platform for our partners. Can you double click a little bit on the technology layer? I think you either have this technology stack that you shared with me. Maybe we could double click on that and you could kind of explain that a little bit in more detail. Yep. It's a big part of it. If you think of the stack and we have at the bottom, there's the data layer. The data layer is really where it all starts. We are pulling in data from 30 plus different data sources across Cisco. And as I mentioned, it's purchasing unit by all these different business units that we have purchasing data. It's telemetry data. It is customer contact information. It's upcoming renewal information or expired. It's everything that their web behavior on Cisco.com, their engagement with us in, in our Cisco community. So we pull all that into a data layer and standardize that, standardize job titles for customers that we're going to reach out to, all of that. We then take that, and that once we've aggregated it, we pull it into an orchestration layer where we use Google Cloud Platform for this. So the, we use Snowflake for the data layer. We pull it into Google Cloud Platform in an orchestration layer. And here we're orchestrating in two different ways. We're combining data from these disparate sources into one customer persona. We're also orchestrating data across multiple different technology platforms. So the type of platform that I'm talking about that we orchestrate into is our marketing automation platforms that we use, like Salesforce Marketing Cloud, where right, that's what we're using to trigger out email notifications or other notifications going out. Our own CRM systems, we use Salesforce Service Cloud for our own CSMs in their consoles to have information about their customers. So we need to make sure that we are providing our CSMs with all the information about their customers. So we need to integrate it into that. We have our, our lifecycle advantage platform portal that I've been talking about. So obviously we got to move in there. And then Cisco.com is our largest digital asset as a company. We have 50 million visitors a year. And we need to be able to plug into that so we can, one, extract customer behavior data on our website. But second of all, we send customers there for guided web pages for our Ask the Expert webinar sessions. Right? So there's a lot of activity on Cisco.com. We use it for more than just a website brochure that we need to engage. And when customers log in, they can come to, to just visit Cisco.com or they can actually log in with an ID number. And then we know who they are. And based on that, then we can trigger content, pop-up ads, et cetera, to them to let them know, Essentially, you're stuck in stage. Here's some information that might help you with this particular product or that particular product. So being able to interact on a real-time basis with our website is, is vital. And then sort of the core layer to that is our community, our partner communities, customer communities for all of our different products. And this is our second largest digital asset. We have 1.7 million visitors a month come to Cisco.com for peer-to-peer -peer interaction, a Cisco community for peer-to-peer -peer interaction. So we need to make sure that we're connected there as well. And then we have a couple of strategic projects that we're working on, CX Cloud and PX Cloud, and Customer Experience Cloud, Partner Experience Cloud that we're working on as well, that we need to be plugged into also. So all of that is going on underneath the hood 
And then before you even get to the sort of the top above the hood, which is the customer experience layer, all of that feeds into then what the customer sees and feels. That's the the notifications that go out. That's the insights that, that we are providing to customers to let them know you're stuck in stage or you've completed this stage. Here's what you do to move to the next stage of your adoption. All of that work is what the customer sees but it only happens because of all of the work that goes on below the surface or underneath the hood. Right. Okay. Wow. So that's a lot of work to figure out what data should be shared, consolidated, how it should be transformed to a format that can be consumed and standardized across systems. And then at the end of the day, not only show the data to customers, but to the relevant partners. So no wonder this took you about three years. Yes, yes. And I'll point out, because that sounds daunting, Cisco is more complex than most organizations. Because we are 70,000 employees, we are a multinational company operating in 150 plus countries. We have multiple business units. Because we're a large legacy company, to pull all this together is more complex than it would be at a newer company. So I don't want I don't want people to get put off and think, well, we can never do that because we don't have the resources. I think we're more complex than a lot of companies. So it should be easier if you're not Cisco. Right. Right. Essentially is what you're saying. Right. Okay. So if I'm not Cisco, I guess besides the what, I want to know the how. This was a hugely successful program. What were the things you did back in 2019? to make sure that it's partner-centric, mm-hmm. customer-centric, and minimize the risk of lack of adoption or having the program completely flop on its face? Well, I know this sounds like a, like a no-brainer, but you and I both know this step often gets missed. We started off being customer-centric and partner-centric. So what I mean by that is, as we build our digital journeys that are customer-facing, we don't do it in a vacuum. We spend a lot of time talking to customers. We do surveys, we do focus groups, we do pre-COVID, and now, again, we're doing in-person design thinking sessions with groups of customers. We meet them at their place of business. We meet them at industry events. We meet them at Cisco, customer and partner events. So we spend a lot of time. We have a whole organization in our digital experience team that is focused on customer and partner research which then goes flows into our journey development. Same thing with the partners in terms of how partners want to do business with us. Add on to that from a partner-centric standpoint, building in an ongoing partner advisory board focused in on the lifecycle advantage on this program that we're talking about. So that everything we did, every from the big picture, you know, starting with a blank piece of paper and sort of sketching out what are the needs Cisco has, what are the needs that you as the partner have? How are we going to do this together? What are the, the guide posts as well as the guidelines that we need to stay in to make this work for partners as well as for Cisco? Mapping that out to begin with. And then as we started to literally do the coding and build out the program, sharing that each step along the way with our partners. And that allowed us to make adjustments where we thought, Feature X was going to work for partners and they were able to come back. And this advisory group of about, I don't know, 20 or 30 partners, right? So it wasn't small. And it, it included some of our larger partners, as well as our midsize partners, as well as our distributors. So all the different parts of our partner community. Okay. They could come back and say, you know, you've misunderstood us when we said we need feature A to do X. So we would go back to the drawing board and fix that or tweak it here or there. 
it got to the point where, you know, once we got through the initial part where we built the foundational work, then it took off like, like a jackrabbit, right? That's when partners come to us and say, can you add this? Can you, I love this now. Can you add this? Can you add that? So, but the point being, it works because we co-built it with a broad section of our partners. And again, I know that sounds obvious, but too often I see organizations in Cisco and outside of Cisco that build things for customers or for partners and then throw it over the fence to them. And it doesn't land. It's not adopted because it hasn't been built with those audiences. It's been built by somebody else who's trying to interpret what that audience wants. Okay. So let me see if I understood this correctly, just to sum it up. In fiscal year 2019, you did a lot of due diligence. You essentially had almost like a voice of the partner program, as well as the voice of the customer program to solicit feedback and ideas about what would a scaled partner success program include, including the data to share, their preferred channel, the right time to engage with their customers and all of that. And then in fiscal year 2020, you began to implement it, but you did it with a cohort of partners that were very much your partner in making this program successful, giving them preview to preliminary implementation phases so that you can get quick feedback. And that was before you literally opened it up and promoted it to everyone else. Did I get that right? Yes, yeah, spot on. If we're going to go and build a customer success program to reach customers with partners, then we need to build that program with partners. And the first goal of the program was to enable your partners to create some automation in the customer lifecycle journey communication with their customers that's data-driven or time-based driven. So it's data-driven based on the telemetry data that we have for customers. And that's a key difference, right? So instead of a time-based approach, which in my definition, that would be X number of days after a customer's purchased something, we're going to send a welcome message. And then two weeks later, we're going to send a a follow-up message. And then a month later, we're going to send a tips and tricks, sort of user adoption newsletter type of thing. That's great content, but what if the customer hasn't even installed the product yet, uploaded the seed file, or taken the initial onboarding steps? Mm -hmm. So ours is is telemetry-based. So what steps has the customer actually taken? And we have enough customers and therefore enough customer data that we can build out what the life cycle steps are for that adoption journey and what the criteria are for a customer moving from one stage to the next stage so that we have a hard cutoff. They're they're ready to move or they're not. And we've also been able to analyze using data science, what is the appropriate amount of time that a customer is likely to spend in a particular stage? And, and break that down by you know, size of customer, maybe even industry, et cetera. So based on that, we make sure that we send to customers the information they need that's relevant to them and what they've purchased, et cetera, but also relevant to where they are in their adoption stage. So they're not getting tips and tricks for messaging for a product that they haven't even installed yet. They're getting the information relevant to where they are, and therefore it's the information they need. We don't say you're stuck in stage, but essentially you seem to, congratulations, you've done the first stage. Now you need to move on to X. Here's some useful information for you. So they're getting the information they need when they need it. That's what's so successful in getting them to move forward through their adoption process. As I mentioned at the beginning, 250% faster 
because we're giving them what they need when they need it to move forward. And just to clarify, this was one of the innovative aspects of your award-winning program that was AI-enabled is essentially the commerce automation piece of it. Yes, we've been able to take this all the way through customer's journey from post-purchase all the way through to where they're ready to renew. And we built in the renew commerce component to it as well so that they get to a point where they're, they've adopted whatever the solution they've purchased from us. They're getting value from it. Now it's time to renew. We let them know it's time to renew. We give them the opportunity through various sort of good, better, best recommendations. We have a recommendation engine that recommends not only you know, potential add-on sales, but upsell. So they're upselling themselves based on the information we're providing. And they can configure what they want that renewal to look like, whether it's the same thing that they've had the past year or whether they want to go in, a, in an add-on or different direction to it as well and have the full commerce built into that. There's so many companies that they have a a go-to-market strategy where a lot of their customers are acquired through partner resellers or OEM. And so understanding how to manage partners in a successful, scalable way is really important and getting partners to commit to this program so that they can collaborate together is essential to the success of the program and all the investments that you've made, obviously. Yeah. And doing it together is the critical element here, because I think it's very easy for companies, especially the larger they are, when they've got a channel-based business, it's very hard for people to understand, well, we're two different businesses. Our partners, most of them sell more than just Cisco. How do we work together in a way that allows us to go together in a mutually beneficial way to work with our customers? It's hard for people to think that way, to figure out that way, let alone then solve it via automation and orchestration and, and digital connection points that we've been talking about. So I just wanted to double down on like clarifying what happened in fiscal year 2021 when you said, you know what, this program has been successful with these many partners. Let's scale it up. Let's get more partners enrolled. You've done a few things. One, you launched the renew.cisco.com portal you enabled more touch points that are digital. And then you have also localized the language for the various regions, because I guess one of the contentions was to improve your touch points or, or connections to partners across the world. Well, you're right. I mean, it sounds basic now that when you think about it, but really, if we're not localized into the language in Japan, or you know, if we're trying to, to speak in English to Japanese customers, for example, or to Spanish customers, especially for a tech company where some of what we're talking about is fairly technical. We're really inhibiting that level of conversation with our customers and with our partners, frankly, if we're not able to communicate with them in a shared language. So we translate into 16 or 17 different languages. This is Cisco overall does this. So we made sure that we communicate in those same 16, 17 languages that Cisco translates and localizes into. That's an important element too. It's to just come in and speak English. There are a lot of people that speak English, but to really understand it to the point where they're ready to take action, the actions we're trying to get those customers to take or those partners to take, localizing it was a huge part of of that activity. So there's a lot of innovative parts about this approach. I don't think there's any other company that does what you have done or put in so much investment in partner success as much as Cisco that I'm aware of. And I think what my main takeaway from this is that 
these kind of programs are only going to be successful if you make them customer-centric and partner-centric. But in between the lines, what I'm hearing you saying is that you had a huge commitment from the executive team and you partnered with other internal stakeholders within the company, customer success, the partner management. And so just to make probably IT to just get all this information. So this is really orchestrating many different functions internally within the organization to truly make it not only successful, but make it happen in the short time that you've done. You bring up an excellent point. Somebody asked me recently what I thought the most important skill set for somebody in customer success is. And I surprised them because I didn't say empathy. I said the ability to communicate with influence. And, and I specifically talked about the need to be able to work across an organization internally to get executive alignment, to get other stakeholder alignment as well, to be able to plug in and get data from teams. And all of that requires the ability to effectively communicate and influence teams internally. And within Cisco, just like in any organization, we had some folks who immediately saw the value of what we were talking about said, how can I help? We had other folks who said, I see the value, but I've got a full plate already. So we sort of get in line. And then we had to communicate with them and figure out how do we get our needs higher up the priority stack? So for example, with the IT organization. And then we had some teams who, who definitely took a wait and see approach that we had to continue to work with. So a company as large as Cisco with as many business units, and as you talked about, IT in one side, marketing in one side, partner marketing in one side, we had to go out and connect all of that. Again, very complicated business, smaller organization probably doesn't have that level of, of sort of complicated internal structure. So it'll be a little easier, but that's a, that is a key component of this process. And frankly, I think of any process because customer experience has to be a cross-company view, has to be a cross-company activity that any company takes. So connecting with the different the different departments in an organization is, is critical to any success. Yeah, I loved uh, what TSIA once said, is the process owns the customer. And I think we're seeing this cross-functional collaboration being really key in terms of just getting the right customer experience. If we focus on all the different players that it takes to collaborate in order to make a process or an experience for the customer great or the partner. That's what it really takes. I know I've talked about how complicated this has been and the work we've done, and but here's the, here's the good news. If we can do it at Cisco, a large, complex internal organization with customers all around the world using hundreds of different products and thousands of partners, dozens of data sources, if we can do it here, then I think we're probably doing it in the most difficult scenario. So hope for anybody else who's trying to to put it together at a complex organization or a less complex organization. Totally. I love that you you finished with that. All right. So if any of you are looking to augment the way you work with partners and enable a customer success program for your partners, here are some ideas Gather all the customer data and make it more transparent for your partners. Make self-service investments in tools that will enable your partners to become more scalable and have visibility to what's going on without having to call someone at your company and then leverage a partner community to really engage your partners in what's going on, innovative products, and really scale their B2B customer experience. 
And with that, thank you so much for coming on our channel and speaking to to me about all of your different programs. It's definitely so innovative and so refreshing to see a company doubling down on their partner's success. Thank you, Reed. It's been a pleasure to be here. Love talking with you and love talking with your audience as well.